darn right. And we're celebrating. It's, it's International Women's Day, and we got a countdown to prove it. Welcome. It's the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I am George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com. And welcome. Yeah, that's what we are uh, talking about this week for International Women's Day. We thought we'd give some props to uh, five of our favorite horror movies directed by women, and these are good ones. They are. They are great ones. And it's funny, one of the things that we really noticed for the 2014 just movies in general is how many really good movies were directed this year by women. You know, Angelina Jolie had a good one this year. Uh, Beyond the Lights was great. And, of course, the the magnificent Selma directed by Ava oh, DuVernay. Yeah. But then there were, you know, last year, a couple of our very favorite films of the year last year, not just horror, just movies in general, are two of our very favorite, film, f- favorite films last year were horror films directed by women. Yeah, plus this gave us an opportunity to open with a little Aretha and Annie Lennox, and that's never a bad thing. Never, ever. <laughs> Forgot that song, huh? 1985, remember that? <laughs> nice. 30 years old, that song oh, is. Yikes. Oh, yikes. It's still good, though. And a great way to open this. So let's start uh, actually with one that this is cool because not only is it a is it a great movie, but you got to uh, talk to the two directors of this. And this is called American Mary. Are you a doctor? Surgeon. I'm changing specialties, Dr. Grant. Have you ever heard of body modification? Yeah, it's directed by twin sisters, Canadians, Jen and Sylvia Soska. And uh, uh, last year, George and I both write for a uh, website called Screen Relish, screenrelish.com. And they hooked me up with an interview with the directors. Uh, And the reason that I landed this plum gig is because, A, I'm a horror movie fan, obviously, and B, I am also a twin. So I got a chance to Skype with these two and talk about being twins and and loving horror movies and everything that they're doing. And at the time, it was because they were releasing um, their second feature. Uh, They did the sequel to See No Evil. They did See No Evil 2. But the movie that we're talking about today is is, uh, their previous called American Mary, which is just awesome. And this is from 2012, so pretty recently. Yeah. So it's about a med student, Mary, who is uh, kind of a weirdo. And um, she gets into some uh, interesting, debt. yeah, debt problems. Yes, and she 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 finds some interesting ways to uh, allevi- alleviate her debt problems. She originally goes to audition to be a stripper, very much against her own best judgment. She doesn't want to do it, but she needs to. She needs the money. Um, and what happens is that the gangsters who run the strip club, eh, they they maybe went a little too far. Uh, on uh, beating up a guy in their basement. And so they have her come down and do some some work on the guy to keep him from dying. So then she she finds herself in uh, in 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 a gig there. But then also she realizes that there is uh, an avenue to make some money with some different kinds of uh, of intentional body mutilations. And uh, and it's really fascinating. And in fact, except for a late film revenge plot, <laughs> You know, it's not really a horror movie. It's gross and weird and macabre in, in what it is that these people want her to do to their bodies, including, in fact, the directors in a cameo. But then as she continues on with her medical career, bad things happen and she takes some pretty inspired revenge uh, on those who do bad things to her. Yeah. And the thing about this is right away you think, OK, there's a long history of horror films dealing with body horror. Yeah. And one of the first names that comes to mind with those types of horror movies is David Cronenberg. Yes, a favorite of ours. Yeah, 
Yeah, and but this one is is interesting right away before you even see the movie when you know it's brought forth from a female point of view. So right there, you think, okay, maybe we're not going to have everything from the male gaze. We're not going to have everything sexually titillating. So that's right there. You have a whole different uh, take on it. Yeah, and and they, you know, and it's funny because they really go to town with that part to that specific idea. It's a lot of it is set in a strip strip club, and a lot of it has to do with body image, and yet they are undermining the sort of pervasive, especially in horror ideas that go along with that. And uh, the Mary is played by Catherine Isabel, who horror film fans would know she was she's Ginger in the in the series Ginger Snaps, and she's great, and she is wonderful, wonderful in this movie. And as Cronenberg goes, it's she, the, they're Canadian. They're clearly uh, influenced by Cronenberg, but in particular, one of, another one of our favorites, Dead Ringers. Yeah, and they're they're not shy about it. I mean, there's a there is a, a surgery scene where everybody's wearing red surgical garb, just like they do in in Dead Ringers. Like it's just an you know a very open ode to the film. That's okay. That's fine. Oh yeah, yeah. because they make it all very much their own. It's a fascinating perspective and um, just a really well put together film, top to bottom. The way it's written, the way it's performed, what it, the, like the look that they give it. Um, yeah, it's great. And, and a lot of people missed it. So uh, it's, it's a high recommendation from us, American Mary. Yeah, and speaking of David Cronenberg, the, his latest film continues a little bit. The, the body horror uh, themes, his latest one that has just come out called Maps to the Stars, it's not as heavy on the body horror as other ones, but there's definitely, that's part of it. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I don't think that he can get away from it. I don't, I mean, even his most mainstream films, he's just, he's got, he has a peculiar fascination with the human body. He really and, does. And you, you see it in this one, yeah. And, and, and Maps to the Stars, if you want to check it out, it's, I'd, I'd call it more of a dark, dark comedy. Very dark, but yeah. Very, very dark. dark. Mean, and weird. But, and it's, but it's, it is, it's so weird. It's great. It's yeah. great. And, and uh, Julianne Moore, oh my God. She's so good. Yeah, so I believe so that's good. just coming out nationwide here in the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. Uh, not a wide release, no. I don't think, but if you if you have a chance to uh, check it out, do so. Because, yeah, Julia Moore, of course, who just won an Oscar for yeah. Still Alice, and deservedly so, is great in this. And it's very, I'm telling you, if you want your comedy coal black, <laughs> this is it. But you know who else is great in it? John Cusack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, John Cusack. he's good. He's good in a bad way. But you you'll him. definitely see that uh, David Cronenberg uh, fascination with with body image and body yeah, whole body yeah. horror. That's in there too. So, all right, we got off track. But yeah, American Mary uh, from 2012. Uh, another one directed by a female director who's really gotten her due in the last few years. From 1987, it's Near Dark. You might as well just kill me, too. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We we'll give him a week. See if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. Gray <laughs> or daylight. Yep. Uh, the first woman to win an Academy Award for direction, Catherine Bigelow. Though not for this film. No, 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 no. She won, of course, for the Hurt Locker and then could have easily won, I thought, for Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't usually happen. You just win. You win again. But boy, she has really, really come into her own. And and even this far back, I mean, you think about some of her early, early work. She showed flashes. Yeah, she really Uh, did. Um, And uh, and this movie, it didn't it came out in 1987 simultaneously with another vampire movie in 87 that made a lot more money. You might remember 
The Lost Boys. <laughs> so not a lot of people, when it came out, saw this film. Although I remember it, but I didn't have posters on my bedroom <laughs> wall of some of the stars. So maybe we approach it from a little different angle. <laughs> I admit it. I love The Lost Boys. Um, but but Near Dark is, to be honest, it's a better movie. And it's not campy. And it's not goofy. And it's it's a horror movie, you know. Um, although there's, you know, it, it, it modernized vampires in the same way. But um, it tells a story of like a roving band, kind of a family of vampires. And uh, the girl falls for a townie in this little, I think, Nebraska, this little tiny Nebraska town. And so they kind of against his will, try to make him part of their family. The main reason that this movie works as well as it does is the cast. It's a well-written film and it's a well-put-together idea, but Lance Henriksen is the leader of the vampire family. He's always, always good. Yeah, always good. Bill Paxton, actually, is probably the best thing about the movie. We're and, toast, man. <laughs> Game over. And that, he's kind of, uh, Catherine Bigelow, of course, who, if you don't know, was uh, ex, ex-wife of uh, James Cameron. Right. And, and I, a I don't lot believe of these names worked with James Cameron before. As well as one of, the, one of the other, she does a better job, I think, in Aliens than in this, but Jeanette Goldstein, you may remember as Vasquez, Vasquez. from Aliens. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she, she uh, uh, Bigelow stole some of her soon-to-be ex-husband's <laughs> regular troupe. And they do a great Maybe job here. Maybe that was here. the last straw in the marriage. <laughs> But Bill Paxton, he's uh, he's the he's like the main, the most psychotic of the vampire clan. I can see that. Yeah, and he <laughs> and he's great. And there's one particularly unhinged scene in a like a hillbilly bar that is just super fun. Um, you know, actually, if you think back to. Uh Chet in Weird Science, oh, yeah. he, he seemed pretty psychotic yeah. in that, so <laughs> that was just one step forward That's from right. Chet, exactly. you know? <laughs> and you know what? For those of you who don't know it, Bill Paxton directed one of our very favorite, very yes. underseen horror movies called Frailty, Frailty. Um, and he's in it as well, as so is Matthew McConaughey. It's it's great. You should look that one yeah, up. Yeah, check but, that out. Yeah, again. But we digress. Uh, digress. Once again. Uh, so near dark, uh, and then one of the one of the reasons also that it works really well, Jenny Wright, Jenny Wright, who we remember from Pink Floyd, The Wall, she's the groupie. Uh, she plays the you know the lonely young woman vampire who seduces the the townie, and she's she's wonderful in this, uh, very sympathetic, and and it's a it's a nice counterpoint to the just general psychosis of the rest of the group. So. It's um it's a flawed film, but it's a lot of fun. Very eighties, a lot of real eighties stuff about it. But it's it's a lot of fun, especially for a vampire movie. So uh, near dark, check it out. Yeah, it's interesting that Jenny Wright because she was somebody who just popped up in a lot of things throughout the eighties and in the nineties. But then, according to IMDb, she officially quit the film business. She had a small role in a movie in nineteen ninety eight, and that's it. So she so she she's done. Interesting. Mm-hmm. She, you know what? She, she always was good. She just has this yeah. vulnerable, seductive quality about her that she was. She, I mean, she yeah. was always good. And just in kind everything. of a face that you remembered. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot about that guys mm-hmm. in movies. She was kind of a that girl. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, just quit the business. So I hope she's uh, doing well. I guess. Yeah. So actually, so speaking of Jenny Wright, the seductive, lonely vampire lady, we have another movie that kind of follows suit. Yeah, we love this. We talked about this a, a few podcasts back uh, because at the at the end of the year, uh, it was one of our favorites. A girl walks home alone at night, and this takes not only a different take on vampire movies, but it qualifies for this, of course, because it was directed by, and I want to pronounce this right, Anna Lily Amanpour. I believe that's correct. Okay, <laughs> we hope so. But we loved it, and it's uh, it's Iranian, and it was the first. Am I right? The first vampire I- Iranian movie. vampire movie, mm-hmm. and it's so stylish. That's the thing for me. One of the things that, that sets it apart, first of all, it's black and white, which when done right, can be so 
really visually arresting. Yeah. You don't think of that because it, obviously there's no color, but boy, when it's done right, it can really set itself apart. And, and not only being in black and white, but the way she frames things, um, whether it's a vampire story or not, is, is just, just great and throughout, throughout the whole movie. But it's, it centers around this girl who uh, is a vampire, but it's funny how the outside world, people around her, view her as, you know, if she's walking home alone at night, she must be frail. She must be, you know, in danger. Mm-hmm. But, oh, she's not. No, no, she isn't. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's great. She, she strikes up a friendship with uh, a young man, a young boy, mm-hmm. I guess. And uh, very similar to something like Let Me In or Let the Right One In, she doesn't feed on him. Mm-mm. They have a friendship, and it kind of goes both ways. And uh, it's, it's really, really another fine take, another, just when vampire movies were getting so tired, here's another example lately of somebody who finds a fresh way to dress it up. Yeah, and you know, and it's funny, this one in particular, the direction stands out. I mean, she... She has pulled together ideas that you'll recognize from all over the place. Jim Jarmusch really stands out, but also the Sergio Leone um, Mm. uh, Western, Spaghetti Westerns. I mean, there's just a look, there's a feel, and then, you know, maybe a little Tarantino, and there's just such a way with the the soundtrack, the way, you know, it's, it's... it's a very stylized, but but I think because of maybe the cultural lens, it, it still all feels very fresh and unique. It really does. And one of our favorite, we mentioned this last time we talked about this movie, there's a, there's a scene where she, the, the girl, and she's got her, her headdress on and her flowing you know, clothes, and she's on a skateboard and just goes flying down the street, and these, these robes you know, are just blowing in the breeze. It's such a great great visual it really image. Is. It's, it really is. And actually, the whole scene how where she gets the skateboard is pretty great as well. It's just great. It's just yeah. a really, really well put together film and and very much worth looking at. So check that one out as well. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, yeah. And, and moving right to the next one, another one that we talked about a lot a couple of podcasts back, one of our favorites, very favorites from last year called The Babadook. You can't get rid of The Babadook. This is one that we talked about uh, a couple of podcasts ago because it, it's not just one of our favorite horror films of 2014. We had it in our top 10 list of any film from 2014. Yeah, and actually the local group that we're part of, uh, the Central Ohio Film Critics Association, because we're based in Columbus, Ohio, our entire group voted the lead actress, Essie Davis, as the best actress of last year. Yeah. So it's just a, a movie that get got a lot of... Of universal acclaim, and I think it, it did pretty well at the box office. Did well, it I know, well, I mean, considering uh, considering that it was an uh, independent, low budget foreign film, it, it absolutely did. I'm sure that it shocked people. And uh, it was written and directed by Jennifer Kent, and she she just has just everything managed well in this in this movie. It looks amazing. The way that she films the like shadows and corners just exaggerated enough to. For for me, just resemble the often terrifying imagination of a child, which is a lot about what this is about. So if you're not familiar with the story, Essie Davis plays a single mother, and Noah Wiseman is also magnificent as her her son, sort of 
and it, as many children are, in turns adorable and just throttle worthy. <laughs> and one of the things that he does so well is he is really sweet and tender and, and adorable. And yet 10 minutes in, you're like, I think I would have to kill this kid. Right. Which is, as you find, as you find out later, that is very intentional. And, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and boy, does it work because the kid's voice is shrill, number mm-hmm. one. And he just keeps doing these things where you just want to smack him. You do. Uh, but he is convinced that he's they're both in danger from this monster that they've unearthed from this, I Pop guess, book. children's book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, so sort of on, on the surface, it's kind of a haunted house sort of a story. You know, it's like this Babadook that they think that they've unleashed because of this pop-up book that they read, because that's what the book tells them, is that, you know, once you think it's there, it's really there. And it's another uh, a way where Kent does this just magnificent job of turning the logic of her film into the logic of a child, and then the mother is sucked into this weird situation. But for for George and me, there's a subtext that's really close to the surface which is what makes the movie so incredibly powerful. So much, I think, better than, you know, just your your average, is there a ghost in this house or is the woman crazy kind of a situation, which is, I think the movie is kind of very close to the surface asking, what would it take for you to just kill your own child? That really kind of, for us, is what the movie is about. Right, and, and, and I think, we're not going to give it away if you haven't seen it, the ending really solidifies that, yeah. I think, with how this thing is wrapped up. That a lot of it, a lot of the entire story could be looked upon as a metaphor. I mean, she's a single parent. She's under extreme pressure uh, from all sides. Her her uh, son is driving her crazy with his behavior. And it, it really looks into and uses this monster as a metaphor for what she may be feeling and what she may have to live with and just come to grips with that she has these these thoughts that main that most people would view as uh, not good thoughts. No, and, and you know what's funny is that in retrospect, you know, one of the things that Kent does so well is the the action that the child takes because given that is his own logic and given just the position he's in, he he's not a brat. This would be a natural response for a kid in that position. Mm-hmm. Um it's got it's just a magnificently crafted movie. Yeah, because honestly, even if you don't agree with that, even if you think that's not a subtext at all and think we're crazy, it still works oh, on a totally creepy does. level. It does. It does. Uh, something like, I don't know, uh, uh, The Ring or something like that, where it's not bloody, it's not overtly no, gory. not at all. But it's creepy and it's scary and it really works because of the direction and because of the, the actors, uh, both the little uh, Noah Wiseman, as you said, and, and Essie Davis especially. Really, really good. Yeah. And, and it's one of those that we're really glad got a lot of, uh, got a lot of acclaim because it deserves it. And Jennifer Kent who really doesn't have a big resume, no. at least as far as a director goes. Uh, she's one to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Uh, because she, if she's new new to the uh, feature directing, because I think this is her first feature. She has some shorts mm-hmm. before this. But boy, what nice, a nice debut. Yes, indeed. Um, if she continues in the horror genre. But hey, you know, go into something else. Because yeah, this mainstream shows, or not. Yeah, yeah, this is something that uh, I'm going to follow her around. Yeah, I'm going to follow her. This definitely career. shows some talent. So. Yeah. The Babadook we're talking about again, and with good reason. And just, we want to just, you know, a quick call out to our our, uh, our buddy and fellow Golden Spiral Media t- uh, podcaster, Corey Metcalf, who <laughs> loves any time we talk about uh, an Australian movie. So, <laughs> hey, Corey. <laughs> but there's some good ones. He's always oh, yeah. he's always pushing the Australian horror. But there's there's good ones there. Yeah, there's well, good... eventually we'll do a whole show on oh, Australian yeah. horror. Good Absolutely. reason to uh, good reason to because, because Corey and anybody else who's been to Australia, we as just know nothing Americans 
get the feeling that if you go to Australia, you're going to die. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's 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 under the hole in the ozone. Right. They have crocs, as we know. I, I believe they have a, a higher uh, population of poisonous spiders than any place else on Earth. And uh, some other form of. Yeah. It's not well, kangaroos. You know, something else that'll kill you. Knife wielding maniacs right. uh, out in the yeah. bush. Well, I know outback. one of your favorites, Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Creek. Creek. That's not really Woo. a touristy. That's not going to help your tourist board no, look, at all. We love Australia. Yeah. Okay, but well, it's we kind love of a, their movies. Yeah, except the Crocodile Dundee. Can we not? No, do, yeah, can we not do that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they like Crocodile Dundee. That's just a guess I'm throwing but, out uh, there. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, we got one more to go, and boy, this is one that if everybody doesn't love it, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> American Psycho. Let's cue the business card scene. <laughs> Let's see Paul Allen's card. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. The tasteful thickness of it. Oh, my God. It even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. You know, it's just, just the other day we were flipping channels, and this was on, and it was the business card scene, and Every time, I think it gets funnier. Yeah. For people that don't realize how funny this movie is. We talked about dark humor, as we just were yeah. a little while ago with Cronenberg. This is so hilarious. That scene, even if you can't see his face when he's just sweating bullets because he realizes this business card is better than his, is so funny. Oh, my God. It's got a watermark. <laughs> It is. It's uh, oh, and the Huey Lewis scene. Yeah, forget all that. it. Yeah, that's the most famous one, it and is. for a reason. It is. It's. It's magical. It is. Brilliant. But I love the business card it's just scene. Twisted, brilliant. And you know, it goes without saying. Christian Bale, just fantastic. And actually, this is just a who's who because it's, it's two. The film was came out in two thousand, so none of the people in the movie have really had giant careers yet. Uh, right. Sorry. Written, co-written, and directed by Mary Heron, um, who I think took a. Um, kind of hateful novel and turned it into something. This is one of, for me, one of the rare occasions where the film is considerably better than the book, which she did here is, is, and, and, and then the other thing that I had just brought up her casting. Good God. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Chloe Sevigny. Oh yeah. yeah. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah. And I didn't read the book and I know you're going to talk to some people as we have who think that it just didn't, it didn't do right by the book. You know what? I don't care. No. Because this movie is so good. It is. In, in just lampooning that era. Yeah. Of, of greed and, and me and the way it's. Just soullessness. So, yeah. The way it's, it's, it's portrayed is just great. All these guys at the firm are all the same and how he, he just makes it, a, a, turns it into this murderous rampage <laughs> and it just seems totally normal for his character uh, because that's, like you said, it's just soulless. There's there's nothing here. It's just one of the so things, good. One of the things I love about this movie, um, um, I read an interview with um, Willem Dafoe, and he talked about, so he, of course, plays the uh, the police officer who's investigating the death of Jared Leto's character. Paul Allen. Paul Allen. <laughs> and, um, and, of course, many, 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 many other people die in the film, but this is the only one anybody cares about. This is the only one who's being investigated. And, and you're always unsure in every scene does he know does he not know and it's because i read and this is just genius i think genius direction uh willem dafoe said that they filmed each of his scenes three times and in one he was supposed to play that he had absolutely no idea and didn't even suspect 
And in the, the second one, he was supposed to play that he had some spe- some suspicions. And in the third one, he was supposed to play that he knew that he knew that Patrick Bateman was the killer. And then they mixed and matched which one they used. Right. So they didn't just go with he did the whole time in one scene. He has no idea. Then the next time you see him when they're having lunch or whatever, then he does. Ha- you know, yeah. it's and it it's it's so off kilter, which is which is perfect with the movie because the movie is so odd. Yeah, that's a great, great way to do it. And mm-hmm. it does throw everything off because you're never quite sure when he's. And Willem Dafoe was so good anyway, but yeah. even from that first scene where they're talking in in uh, Patrick's office mm-hmm. and he tries to make some lie that he's going to a lunch or has to get out of there, and you just you're not quite sure. Does he know? Does he doesn't? Know? So that was that's a brilliant. And of course, what's one of your favorite lines in there? He's got to meet Cliff Huxtable for lunch. That's what he says. <laughs> no, Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> I mean, the whole, like I say, every time I see it now, it gets funnier. It does. And even if you can imagine a guy running naked through the streets with a chainsaw as funny <laughs> it is it's hysterical it is just covered in blood i'm sorry that's you know, but funny for me one of the reasons that the movie is is powerful and memorable as it is is because heron does generate sympathy for a lot of the characters who wind up being the villains chloe sevigny for example oh, which, especially who is not her. but yeah. but um and then there's the I'm, I'm sorry that i can't think of her name there's a prostitute that that he hires early in the film in a pretty famous scene, and then he goes back to later in the film, and she's just so wearied, world-weary, tender. It's a beautiful performance, and you know in the second time that he brings her home that she shouldn't be going there. Oh, my God, don't go there. And so I think that that's part of the reason that the film is as good as it is, is because it's it's it doesn't just hit you on one level. It's not just a jab at, you know, Reagan-era greed, and it's not just a really bloody, really dark comedy, But and, and of course, it, incredibly well-performed. But because there is the underlying, like, there, there's more to it than that. There's, there's a lot, actually, to it, the, to the film. But I just don't think we can say enough about Christian Bale's performance. It's unhinged genius. Um, it's just, and, and again, this was before he was anybody. You have no idea. Yeah, the actress you're talking about, Kara Seymour. Oh, right. Was her name. Yeah. And she's she's got one of those faces, too, that shows up. Yeah, she's been in a lot in of a things. Lot of, yeah, yeah, she's continued to be in a lot of things. But that one is very memorable mm-hmm. performance mm-hmm. because you're right. Uh, she has that weariness and... You just feel for her. And yeah. then, yeah, when he's trying to lure her back into his... And he's offering her all this money and she yep. said, you know... I had to last go time. to the emergency yeah. room last time, and he's yeah. just more and more money, and you're just, you know, it's yeah. like the whole rest of the movie is sort of, you're chuckling at everybody's expense because, well, you know, when he's killing Paul Allen, first of all, it's a hilarious scene. Second of all, Paul Allen is just as bad a guy. Well, he's not as bad a guy, but he's also a bad guy. But this, you know, this poor street prostitute, you're like, oh, God, please don't get in there. Please don't get in there, even though, you know, she's going to. Um, and so, you know, it works on an emotional level as well. It's And just a little bit of trivia, which I guess I didn't realize until okay. recently. One of the other head honchos of the guys in the in the firm mm-hmm. is played by he may be are they finally married to jennifer aniston uh justin thoreau um he's one of the guys in the um i don't think they are the finally firm. married but yeah that's uh, right but anyway that's, that's right <laughs> so yeah american psycho you've probably seen it and good for you if not uh boy it's it's so great and and a, a comedy yeah it's definitely a, a so it tops our list. It's our number one horror film directed by a woman and Mary Heron, who was who she could not have possibly done a better job. Right, with it. and what better way to celebrate International Women's Day? That's right, because the sisters are doing it for themselves. <laughs> hey, but if we missed any, please let us know. As always, we love to keep the conversation going on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. That's M A D D W O L F, and you can also get us on the Golden Spiral Media feedback line. We love that too. That's three zero four. 
8372278. And if you go there, goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, you can just you can just leave us. You can upload a, a pre-recorded voice file, which we will also love to hear. And we will uh we'll talk about what you had to say next week if we can. But since we're talking about Golden Spiral, I wanted yeah. to just I want to congratulate some of our fellow podcasters because they've been nominated for the podcast awards. You can go to podcastawards.com and vote for them, and we Give hope them some that you love. do. In the entertainment category, the blacklist exposed. In the best produced, the Arrow Squad, congratulations. And then in the general category, our friend Daryl Darnell's Stuff I Learned Yesterday. So yeah. you get a chance. And actually, another fellow podcaster has the Hollywood Outsider, which is in film. Yeah. So if you get a chance, go to the podcastawards.com. You can vote once, once a day. 24 yeah. hours. So. And, you know, we're new, so maybe hopefully next year we'll be in there. Shameless plug. That's right. Uh, but for now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give these guys some love, and we hope they win for the uh, podcast awards. So. Uh, yeah, the the top five are our favorite uh, women-directed horror movies. That's a good list. I think so. I mean, every single one of them is worth seeking out and, and watching. So. so obviously next week it's going to be Drunken Leprechaun Horror Film. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> but that's an idea. Hey, until uh, next week, I pre- we appreciate it. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the... Fright Club Podcast. Look us up at madwolf.com. Until then, stay frightful, my friends.